I want us to look at God's Word beginning in Matthew 1 and verse 23. Very familiar passage, I believe. We want to look at what the Bible tells us about Emmanuel. Emmanuel. In 1 and verse 23, it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Amen. And I want us to think a little while this morning about how important it is that we realize that God is with us this morning. Not just this morning, not just an hour once a week, but all of our lives after we're saved by the grace of God, after we've been truly born again, God said he would dwell with us. And a very similar verse is found in Isaiah 7 and 14. I won't read it because it's almost the exact same verse. Uh, and matter of fact, that's where it came from. In Matthew 1 and 23 is Isaiah 7 and 14, I believe it is, that his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Aren't you glad this morning that we've got a God that loves us so much that he wants to be with us? He wants to be in our lives. He wants us to be willing to not only follow him, but let him lead us from within. Uh, the Bible says they that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. Uh, we're children of God today by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, through repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so I want us to think about a number of scriptures this morning. I, I may not read them all, but those of you that like to take notes, I'll try to I'll try to mention them for you so that you can write them down and take them home and study it. You know, God's Word is not something we should just think about an hour a week, but we should meditate upon God's Word all week long. Uh, uh, so we got those two verses, uh, Matthew one twenty one and Isaiah seven fourteen, and I want us to think about this for a while. That God came down to this earth to be with us, uh, to be near us, uh, and to be in us. Uh, all right, now Israel had Emmanuel to visit them. The Bible uses the word visitation. Now, when we talk about visitation, we think about maybe going to someone's house, knocking on the door and going in and uh, fellowshipping for a while, or at least visiting for a while. But when God talked about it, he meant for it to be a, <clears throat> a permanent situation. Now, Israel had God, Emmanuel, visit them in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus Christ was Emmanuel. He was God manifest in the flesh. He came and spoke to the people of Israel. First of all, John the Baptist came. The Bible says John the Baptist came 
baptizing and preaching the baptism of repentance. And one of the reasons that John came baptizing was that he might reveal or manifest Jesus Christ unto Israel. Remember, the Bible says to the Jew first and then to the Greek or to the Gentile. The Jews were the ones that first had God to visit them. But in John, the first chapter, the Bible says, He came unto his own, but his own received him not. But to as many as did receive him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed upon his name. So Emmanuel's visitation came to Israel. We know that God had a great visitation for Israel, first of all, in the Old Testament. And then he came in the New Testament. He came in the flesh in the New Testament. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, yet without sin. So he came to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. All right, now let's go on here. The Bible speaks about Christ in you, the hope of glory. But before we look at that, we need to remember something Jesus said. Jesus, speaking of his spirit, which was his presence, he said he is with you, but he shall be in you. Now, Jesus was with all the people that he paid a visit to. Jesus was with his disciples, and Jesus was with even the lost Pharisees and Sadducees. He was with them. But he told his disciples, he's not only with you, but he shall be in you. And now we see in the Christian era, area of time in which we live, God's Spirit's not just with us, but God's Spirit dwells within us. The scriptures tell us that his spirit dwells in us, and if any man have not the spirit, then he's none of his. You don't belong to God unless God dwells in your heart by faith. You're not one of God's unless you're sealed by the very presence of his spirit being inside your life, inside your, your very body. Because your body is the temple of God. Even in the Old Testament, God said that he did not dwell in temples made with hands. But he told us that he dwells in his people. That's been God's desire, I believe, even from the very creation. All right, let's go on now. I want to tell you about three more scriptures. If, Like I said, if you want to write them down, you might want to study these later. Romans 8, verse 9 through 11. 
2 Corinthians 13, 3 and 5, and Galatians 4 and 19. Now, Galatians 4 and 19, the Apostle Paul said that he wanted Christ to be formed in you. And that's what our Christian life is all about. When he comes into our heart, he wants the liberty to form himself in our lives. Not after our lives, but our lives should be formed after the indwelling of Jesus Christ. We're to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're to grow in the Spirit of God. We're to grow more mature as children of God. That Christ might be manifested in our lives. All right, let's go on now. God said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will talk in them. He will lead us and guide us by his indwelling spirit. Now, a sinner, a sinner can be led to repentance, but he's got to repent. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance. And once he leads you down to the place where you repent and turn from your sins, then he will come into you. He will be a part of your life. You will become spiritually bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. The Bible says in one place, they that are joined unto the Lord are one spirit. You take on the very nature and spirit of God. The spirit of God is God himself. Uh, he said he would dwell in us and tabernacle. In Revelation, the Bible says that the tabernacle of God is with men. The word tabernacle, it means a dwelling place. He wants to tabernacle with all of his children, and he will. Matter of fact, he said that's where he is. He is in his people. But the world many times didn't comprehend this. The world as a whole, with God came in the flesh. They didn't recognize him. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. But the world knew him not. He came unto his own. His own received him not. But aren't you glad that even though the majority then and the majority now still reject God in our lives. They reject God visiting this world. Yet, there are a few people in this world. The Bible says there's a remnant according of grace. 
And by the grace of God, we can be the tabernacle of God. By the grace of God, we are children of the Most High God. All right, let's go on now. In 1 John, I believe it's chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. And in 2 John, chapter, I believe it's 1, verse 7, the Bible says that if any man or any spirit does not confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, it's the spirit of Antichrist. Now you might wonder, well, why is that so important? There's a lot of things that's said about Antichrist. And I'm not changing the sermon. I'm trying to bring out a point. What the Bible says, if a spirit or a man does not confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, it's the spirit of Antichrist. Now, I think a lot of people have got the wrong idea about Antichrist. You hear preachers and teachers talking about some great man that's going to rise up on the scene of this world history and be the greatest man in the world, and he'll turn out to be the Antichrist. That's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about some great politician or some great world leader. It's talking about the spirit, the Bible says, that now works in the children of disobedience. The spirit that works throughout the world. This spirit has been in the world from the beginning. This spirit was there in the days of Nimrod when he built the Tower of Babel, the city of Babylon, and all these things. And he, like later on, Nebuchadnezzar took, took credit for all these great things. And then he began to want to build a world empire. That spirit was in the world then. That spirit is in the world now. And John, the apostle, he said, you've heard that Antichrist shall come. But even now, he said, there are many Antichrists. The world is full of Antichrist spirits throughout the world. There's not just one Antichrist. There's many spirits of Antichrist. And what do they do? They lie about what Jesus said. Amen. They lie about what the Bible says. They lie about what the effect of the gospel shall be. Or I said all that to say this. Antichrist is the lying spirit that's in the world. That when God said he would come and dwell in you and me. Then that spirit says, no, he might be with you, but he won't be in you. Amen. That lying spirit tells people, no, God does not choose to dwell in you. That lying spirit 
tells people that Christ in you is not the hope of glory. But the Bible says Christ in you is the hope of glory. And if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. But that lying spirit of Antichrist tries to make people think, well, I can't live right. I can't do right. I can't get the victory over sin, the devil, and the flesh, so I'll just have to go on do the best I can. That's what the devil tells people. But God in his word said, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith, and that we as children of God are more than conquerors through him that loves us, and that we have the victory in Jesus Christ. So you and I can be victorious. You and I, we already have freedom from the bondage of sin. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Free from what? Free from what? Free to do anything you want to do. That's what a lot of people think it means. They say, well, the grace of God means I don't have to care about how I live anymore. That's a lie of the devil. Listen, as children of God, we have freedom from sin. Amen. In Romans chapter 6, the Bible said, being made free from sin, and you become servants of God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Aren't you glad of what God said in his word? And that we don't need to be an antichrist. Amen. We don't need to allow the spirit of antichrist to lie to us any longer. But we've got the victory through Jesus Christ. By the blood of Jesus Christ and the word of our testimony, and we don't love our lives under the death, the Bible says that's how we get the victory over the devil. All right, one more verse. In Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11, it tells us in this verse that Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. Amen. That verse goes along with those other two or three verses in 1 John and 2 John. Write that down. I love to be, see people take notes when somebody preaches. That means they want to take it home with them. But first of all, check the preacher out. See if he told them the truth. And secondly, they want to see if they can come up with the same thing the preacher came up with, or at least find out what the Bible says. Now, I could be wrong, and you could be wrong. We don't claim to be perfect in our knowledge all the time, but the Bible can't be wrong. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and holy men of God spake as they were 
moved by the Holy Ghost. And I pray that since we're temples of God, since we are the tabernacle of God, that we can be moved, moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. That we'll be holy men and women of God. That First, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 4.11. Jesus being manifest in our flesh. Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. We know he came in the flesh. We know he's coming again. But the Bible talks about the present truth. Amen. I love the present truth. I love the past truth of the Old Testament. I love the past truth of the gospel in history. I love the future truth about what God has planned for us. But praise God, I love the present truth of Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Brother Tim, come around with a song, if you would. Amen. That's, I know that's a short sermon, but I hope we make it short and sweet sometime. I hope we can get right to the point. But I'm glad the point is Emmanuel, God with us. And while he's finding that song, let me say one more thing. The Bible says, if God be for us, who could be against us? Did you know God is for us? Amen. God's on our side. We're on God's side. He's for us. And to give us assurance of that is that Emmanuel, being interpreted as God with us. If God's with us, obviously he's for us. Amen. If you're not for somebody, you don't want to be with them, do you? I wouldn't. If I wasn't for somebody, I wouldn't want to be around them. But God's for us, and he's with us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but I'll go with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen.